Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. For just a couple of minutes here at the top of the program, I want to talk about stats. Now, I have told y'all before, and I say this not just in an attempt to be humble and self-deprecating, although I think that's usually a pretty good thing to be, but I've told you many times before, there are a lot of stats that get thrown around in sports right now that are just way over my head. I see these numbers. I have no idea what they mean. And it's almost like at one point in my life, I used to try to understand some of this kind of stuff. And now I realize that in some circles, the conversation around statistics has just gotten so complicated that I might as well just give up and not even try. There's so many abbreviations and 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 numerical whatevers that it's just it's just beyond my ability to comprehend. And if you follow sports closely, especially college football, but all sports, if you follow if you follow sports closely, you've probably noticed some version of this too. There's just kind of a nerdy language around sports that didn't used to exist. And you have every right to embrace it and get into it you have every right to ignore it i think i think you're free to do whatever you want to on that the one thing i do want to point out though is is that not all of this new fangled fancy stat stuff not all of it is complicated not all of it is difficult to understand some of it is beyond my realm of capacity completely other parts of it you hear the the kind of math nerd guy make a point and you're like ah, eh, maybe that is kind of a pretty good point for instance let me give you two quick examples let's go back to like baseball years ago do you remember when the book moneyball first came out you know even if you don't care about this kind of stuff you probably have heard the concept of moneyball before the book the movie they made a movie about this and like a simple concept of moneyball is this is that when i was a kid everybody made a big deal about batting average that's the percentage of hits you get compared to the number of bats you have and batting average is like a big deal who wins the batting title blah 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 but at some point in time batting average stopped mattering quite as much and the reason why is compare this so you got two guys they both are hitting 300 but if this other guy is also drawing 100 walks per season that's just a more valuable player because there's really no difference in getting to first via hit getting to first via walk and so therefore they started paying more attention to on base percentage that makes sense right or let's say you got two players they both go two for four in the same game but the one guy had two doubles well two doubles is better than two singles so therefore slugging percentage means more than batting average and to me that's kind of somewhat easy to understand or let's say basketball for a moment let's say that you're a 50 percent shooter from the field you shoot a jump shot you're a good jump shooter you hit 50 percent of your jump shots well it's obviously way better to shoot threes than twos because if you're hitting 50 percent of them over the course of 100 shots that works out to 25 more points for you and, and for your team therefore three-point shots are just more valuable than two-point shots if we're talking about a consistent shooting percentage over the course of all of those shots taken and that's one of those things that the math nerds have told us And if you really stop to think about it that's actually not super complicated to understand and it kind of makes some sense there as well and those same math nerds try to tell us some things about college football and some of it's like abbreviation this and and, and weird you know data formula that and i think all that can fairly easily be rejected for the most part i do simply because i'm just not smart enough to understand it but not everything the math nerds have told us about college football is necessarily something that we should reject some of it if you really stop and think about it for like two seconds actually makes some sense for instance if you want to go back to when i was a kid 80s 90s kind of growing up back there in that time everybody everybody made a big deal about total offense how many how many yards can you compile over the course of a game and we see these like staggering 
you know, totals of total offense. But over the course of time, the math nerd has tried to explain why total offense necessarily, even total defense, but we're going to stay on the offense side of the ball for a moment, why that's maybe a little bit of a misleading statistic sometimes. For instance, if you run a lot of plays, then you're going to compile a lot of yards. But that doesn't necessarily predict how much you're going to win. Maybe you will win, maybe you won't. I think a pretty good example of this is Mississippi State. Now, Mississippi State here in this current version of college football is a pretty good team. And frankly, they've been better this season than I thought they probably would be. They rank very high in like total offensive rankings how many yards they compile they rank pretty high on something like that they also happen to rank pretty high in number of plays run per game that's what mike leach has been doing his entire career but we also know this now at mississippi state and at washington state before that and at texas tech before that that's not really a recipe for winning one way or another i mean it's a good team hard to beat but you're not going to really win a championship running that many plays compiling that many yards you put pressure in your defense and eventually for whatever reason the offense just kind of gets stopped there as well it just eventually gets stymied that's not much of a recipe so what the math people have told us and this is where we get to georgia what the math people have told us is that what you really want to measure in college football is not how many plays you run how many yards you compile but what you do on a per play and per drive basis how many yards you get per play that determines how efficient you are How many points you get per drive, that determines how explosive you are. I mean, doesn't that make sense that you're neutralizing for the teams that want to play really fast and run as many plays as they can compared to the teams that want to play a little bit slower? Because here's the one thing that you know. There's no free lunch in life anywhere. That what you do on one end of the spectrum in football affects the other things that happen for you in a game. And the one thing that you see over and over again is that if you're one of these teams, like Mississippi State, the team that I mentioned before, that if you want to play really, really fast, offensively that'll help your total offensive numbers but your defense is going to pay a price for that we've seen that replicated in college football over and over and over again so therefore let's push that stat aside here for a moment and let's look at one of the stats that i mentioned a moment ago the number of points you get per drive or defensively speaking the number of points you allow per drive and when you look at that I think you see something really amazing happening for the Georgia Bulldogs right now. Now, I want to go to a guy named Brian Fremo. He has a blog called bcftoys.com. Now, I want to give you this here for a moment. Like I said, this may sound complicated, but this is actually really easy to understand. Did you know that right now, Georgia defensively is only, let me see if I can find this number, is only averaging 0.38 points per drive? Did you know that? That, that, That is such an obscenely low number, and you probably somewhat expected that to be true, that when an offense has the ball, on average, they're only getting .38 points per drive. It'd take them three drives just to even get one point against Georgia. That's how good Georgia's been defensively. But did you also know this, that Georgia is scoring 3.58 points per drive? Did you know that number is good enough for third best in the country, according to Brian Fremo from bcftoys.com. That Georgia's got the number one defense when it comes to points allowed per drive and the number three offense when it comes to that same category. And did you know that really the only team that even comes close to matching that complimentary uh, on both sides of the ball is Alabama, which is 
uh, second offensively, but just 14th defensively. Or you want to compare it to Ohio State for a moment. They're first offensively. You're probably not surprised by that, but they're just 20th in defense. Michigan's 10th offense, 10th defense. Uh, Cincinnati's 13th on the offensive side, 9th on the defensive side of the ball. But Georgia right now is the only team in the country that on that particular stat, how many points they're scoring per drive offensively, how many points they're allowing per drive defensively, they're the only team in the country in the top 10 in both, and Georgia happens to be in the top three in both. Number one defense, no surprise. Number three offense, that's probably a surprise to many. Now, let me explain to you how rare this actually is, because the same math nerd guy that gives us this data also tells us this, that if you want to go back to 2007, only a small number of teams have finished the year in the top 10 in both categories. And I believe we have this as a tweet, and we'll show this to you on the screen here for a moment. So Georgia's trying to join four other teams, 2010 Boise State, 2012 Alabama, 2013 Florida State, 2019 Ohio State. Georgia's trying to join those teams as the teams since 2007 that could finish the year in top 10 in terms of points allowed per drive plus top 10 in points scored per drive. Right now, Georgia is averaging a net of 3.2 points uh compared to their offense and their defense this puts georgia on par with some of the best teams of all time the 2012 alabama 2013 florida state teams in particular there in that particular point now this kind of gets to what we talked about yesterday do you remember we mentioned the concept of dog nation unification and i thought we had a couple of video commenters yesterday that brought up a really good point that the whole idea of unity and dog nation is not about uniting around a player no player not quarterback not jordan davis not anybody dog nation unification is not about uniting around a player it's about uniting around a team or maybe even more specifically than that it's about uniting around an idea that college football teams rarely perform better than georgia is right now and when you look at teams that are preparing for the upcoming postseason, there is no team anywhere in a better position for what's about to happen in December and January than what Georgia is right now. Yes, there are teams that have played a little bit better offensively, but they played way worse defensively. And yes, there are teams that maybe they've come close to doing what Georgia's done defensively. At least they're within the statistical realm of what Georgia's done defensively. But you compare them offensively, they're not coming close to the nearly 40 points per game that Georgia's uh, averaging right now. That this really is becoming a complimentary football team somehow some way they figured out a way to get it done offensively and somehow some way even against an explosive offense in their own stadium on saturday the georgia defense just simply did not yield very much that after these 10 games that you've seen from georgia you have seen something that's working at an efficient and explosive clip the likes of which it rarely ever happens in college football and when we talk about dog nation unification that's the idea we're talking about uniting around that right now georgia's getting it done for those who've been paying close attention and see how successful it's been the story told by those stats i think those georgia fans are really enjoying themselves and slowly but surely the rest of the folks kind of on the peripheral fringe are also starting to work their way into this there too that you know what this may not be the exact version of georgia i thought i was going to see but the results for a college football team are rarely better than these are right now now it's also fair to say that kirby smart talked a little bit about this on saturday because much the same way there's a statistical story of just how rare uh this has all been for uga there's also a more i guess 
you know, eye test, broad idea of this too. We know that Georgia's gone eight and zero in SEC play for the first time in program history. Gone undefeated against conference foes for the first time since 1982. This late in the season to be undefeated, not even the 2017 team that eventually made the college football playoff and played for the national championship. Not even that team was undefeated this late in the year the way that Georgia is right now. All of this really is, however you describe it, using stats or eye test or whatever else. All of this really is the makings of a special season thus far but as Kirby Smart said what you've done to this point does not assure anything that's going to happen after that and it's probably a fair thing for us to all consider here right now this is Kirby Smart after the win against Tennessee on Saturday 10-0 undefeated in the SEC that's where we've gotten it makes no guarantee for what's going to happen in the future we got a lot of guys that we've got to try to get better and and improve and you know what i love is the being in that locker room over there beside me they all know that nobody thinks they've arrived there's things we can work on and get better at and they'll continue to do it so kirby smart says there's no guarantee of what happens here totally agree with that we should all consider that there's nothing that can be said there's nothing that can be done to relieve the tension of when you battle Alabama in the SEC championship game or when you battle big name brand team in the college football playoff, there's nothing that can be done to make that less nerve wracking. But the guarantee that you can have is there will be rare instances when Georgia's better positioned for success in the postseason than it is right now. And this also goes back to what Smart said there, what we also talked about yesterday. It is fairly obvious that Smart's having a really good time coaching this team. Somehow, some way, the inner workings of this program, the kind of invisible stuff that we don't see from the outside, even those of us who are in the media and try to get as close to this as we can, the, this, the, the stuff that's only apparent if you're in behind those closed doors. It's only apparent if you're on that sideline. If it's, it's only apparent if you're, if you're working and striving and straining and grinding with this team each and every day. That somehow, some way, that has impressed Smart in a way that not every team is going to he clearly likes the direction this is all going even if there's no guarantee that it finishes with the result that we're all hoping for so so i can't promise you anything i can't promise what december is going to feel like i can't promise what january is going to feel like but i can tell you this the last 10 games have been pretty fun to watch and the team that's preparing for a championship run i'm not sure i'd change one thing about it even if i could because the formula, the chemistry, the, the, the way in which these pieces fit together has had the making of special results all season long. And you know what? The fun on all of this could just be getting started. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We're glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, that's 10 a.m., 945, dognation.com, and the Dog Nation app. However you're watching us on video, appreciate that. Of course, all the podcast platforms there as well, Apple, Spotify, the Google Player, a bunch of other platforms there too. Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 96, The Ref. Just really appreciate you being with us, and a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Georgia for making it all possible. Foundation waterproofing issues. If you're a homeowner, these are things that matter to you because they can be signs of uh, of bigger damage on the way or, or bigger issues on the way. Water creeps in, cracks in your walls. Those are the kinds of things that'll make you think about ESOG when you see them. That'll be a trigger to you that oh yeah, BA was talking about this. Here's that water coming in. Here's that crack on the wall. Let me find out what's going on with this. Uh, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, the one to do that with because they got two full-time engineers on staff. They are smart people when it comes to understanding the structural integrity, uh, or I should say the structural integrity of your home. They know it better than anybody does. They're also proud partners of UGA. 
it's fun to support and do business with those who support the dogs. We also are very appreciative that so many of you have supported Engineered Solutions of Georgia because ESOG has been longtime friends of ours here. They've helped keep the lights on here around Dog Nation for a long time there as well. And we are so grateful for them and grateful to you for your support of them. So make sure you check them out today. Simple number to dial. Simply dial 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right. We have a very busy program coming up here today. A lot to tell you about. Uh, there's big news around the SEC. We'll obviously cover that. We'll get Connor Riley here coming up as part of a Kroger Fresh Take, looking back at the win there against Tennessee, looking ahead to what's going to happen December, January for these dogs, and the kind of complimentary football that I just described. Georgia obviously on a historic clip defensively, but offensively, at least on the basis of some of the smart snap people, not too far behind in that category there either. What does all that mean? We'll let Connor tell us about that here as well coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And I got to tell you, uh, obviously, senior day is always a big deal for me, even in a weird year like this. And you know, I thought it was interesting, dear Kirby Smart, t- discussing this yesterday, that it's almost difficult to define even what a senior is in 2021 because of the extra eligibility from the pandemic year. And plus, college football has just kind of gotten stranger in this regard anyway. But even still, even in an unusual year where, you know, some guys might technically be seniors, but they might still come back or, you know, whatever else is going to happen here. I'm just kind of a sentimental fool. I mean, I just am always going to be nostalgic about, gosh, it seems like just yesterday so-and-so was showing up at Georgia. Now he's walking on that field at Sanford Stadium for the last time. I just reckon I guess I'll always just be that kind of guy who just gets kind of sentimental about uh, stuff like that that's just kind of who I am and if I feel that way generally speaking you better believe I feel that way about Georgia nose tackle Jordan Davis for the kind of player he is the kind of dude he's been uh, as a as a leader for this team and when you think about everything that's going on there I just think it's it, it's really pretty remarkable all the way around and there continues to be this you know chatter out there of hey you know jordan davis for the heisman trophy in fact you see his odds actually improving he's becoming a little bit of a shorter shot to win the heisman trophy there's still a lot that has to be happened there he's not amongst the three or four top favorites but but i mean we were told you know when we first started this campaign for jordan you know weeks ago we were told it was an impossibility to even get this off the ground oh, you can't do that defensive tackle can't be mentioned for the heisman and there there always be experts at what can't be done uh but in this particular case davis with his attitude with his level of play with his impact on the georgia team continues to to put himself in this discussion let me show you a couple of examples this year real quick i forget which one of these we have first but i think as a georgia fan going to knoxville on saturday i guess the ajc got a picture of this homemade sign a lot of this is digital a lot of this is social media uh yeah there, there you go that's uh, our buddy manatee jet uh, pack showing us this prize picks uh billboard i guess i'll give prize picks a little free love here with the hashtag jordan davis for heisman now i kind of jokingly said even if they're using the wrong uh even if they're using the wrong hashtag there because obviously our our ofish hash is uh hashtag jd to nyc but it's nice to see prize picks getting on the bandwagon even if they're not quite using the correct hashtag on all of that and i appreciate manatee jetpack sharing that there on twitter also there were georgia fans in the stadium on saturday with their own homemade version of the hashtag jd to nyc and our buddy bass and dog shared that with me i love to see georgia fans having fun with this i love to see the media and the betting houses and everybody else kind of getting on board with this there there as well it's obviously been a huge growth here over the course of the last few weeks couple months it's been it's been fun to to lead the way there on that it was kind of cool yesterday to hear jordan davis also just kind of sharing his own feelings about you know 
what it's been like to watch this grow around him. And he was as customarily humble as you would expect him to be, which is really the reason why he's been the avatar for this Georgia defense all season long. Anyway, this is Jordan Davis on that subject from yesterday. takes a village to raise a child i'm glad i chose this village there at uga that's great stuff and obviously every time another player has a big game for georgia i always get these tweets of i'm not even sure jordan davis even the best player in this defense i think so and so might be and my response back to that has always been that that davis didn't become the avatar for this defense because he was unquestionably the best player you know he may be the most physically dominant just simply because he's such a uh, imposing physical presence there in the middle of the defense but this has always been a representation thing for davis davis has always represented what we like about the georgia defense that everyone probably gets less statistics than they would like to have less playing time than they would like to have everyone has shared glory that could have gone to somebody else in fact to be completely frank with you we have seen players leave georgia go to other places and have a lot more individual glory pats on the back and success than they would have gotten had they stayed at uga it's very easy to be a big fish in a small pond but a lot of these Georgia players have decided to do is I'm going to stay here at UGA I'm going to share my glory with the team I'm going to share my statistics with the rest of the team and we're going to be a great team defense where really kind of nobody outshines anybody else and I don't think that anybody embodies that more than Jordan Davis that's why Davis has become the the Heisman representative here for UGA that's why we made the push for him not because he was undeniably the best but because he was unquestionably the guy who represented the idea of the Georgia defense better than anybody else ever could that's what that's all about and obviously as davis gets ready to play his final game in sanford stadium on saturday much the same way i've got you know always you know endless reams of sentimentality about stuff like this sounds like jordan davis may have a little bit of that going on for himself there too this is jd on being between the hedges for the last time on saturday good stuff from jordan once again it's a bittersweet moment you know obviously four years ago you know you hear a lot about how this journey ends fast and it's almost ends as quickly as it started but you know at the end of the day you know it's definitely one of those moments you gotta savor and you really appreciate it for being a part of this program so I just love that from Jordan Davis. I think that's uh, just simply incredible. Uh, very good stuff. And as I said before, you know, I think that fans should always take a moment to appreciate Senior Day because there are guys like JD who've obviously been a huge part of the success of Georgia, but there are other guys who. You know, if you make it four years at Georgia, you have been through a grind. You've worked hard at practice, and almost no one has played as much as they want to. And yet, almost everyone who stays with it, sticks with it through the end almost everyone would say they're better off for the fight they're better off for the for the competition they're better off for having allowed themselves to become better men because of the instruction and the training and the just preparation for life they've gotten here at the university of georgia it's one of those things that sometimes you're a little late getting your seats or you're you know busy trying to go to the concession stand or something like that and i understand that i've you know have been the same way when i've sat in stands before but if you get a chance Try to sit there. Try to enjoy that. Try to appreciate what a moment that is for guys who dreamed of playing big-time college football, who got there, and in the case of Jordan Davis, who've gone on to great careers. But 
in the case of some of the other players who will be walking with Davis there on Saturday, just to have worn this uniform is a true honor. And all of them deserve our applause. And I know they'll get it from UGA fans there. It's Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And right now is a great time to find out about everything going on with Georgia's own, especially when we head towards the holiday season because they've got those Visa Signature and Platinum cards. What a uh, great time that is to use as you go into the holidays because there are all kinds of big incentives for, for using your Visa Signature and Platinum card from Georgia's own credit union. They can be used on cash back if you want that, merchandise if you want that, all kinds of things that just make your holiday experience so much better. Your shopping experience can be so much better. Using a Visa signature or platinum card from Georgia's own can be incredible to earn all those bonuses and incentives. Plus, you can get $150 uh, as well in some cases um, as a special thank you for getting signed up there on that. So make sure you check out georgiasown.org. That's the website, georgiasown.org, for complete details on everything that's going to apply for this today check out the visa signature and platinum card from georgia's own credit union online georgia's all right so busy show for us we're around the sec before we're all said and done hot coaching rumors uh more heat on dan mullen uh very interesting question about alabama as it relates to its upcoming game against georgia we will cover all of that before we're done but for now let's dive deep on uga big road winning against tennessee preparations the next couple of weeks to get ready for sec championship which we presume will be alabama let's cover all those bases right now it's a kroger fresh take with connor riley good to have all of you with us here today as well and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. So we'll say hello to Connor Riley. A lot we want to discuss with him over the course of our uh, time here. Obviously, Connor and I were together as we made that trip back and to uh, Knoxville over the weekend. So uh, it seems like it was as good a place as any to kind of start there, uh, right there. And Connor, I guess let's just kind of begin with this, if you don't mind. You know, it was a game that I thought that Georgia would be challenged in. The beginning of the game, that was clearly true. There were, you know, noisy atmosphere, big offensive, uh, you know, drive to start there for Tennessee. But, man, as a fan of this team, which I am, I was incredibly impressed with how Georgia weathered that. I love the line from Kirby that they're not just here to take Tennessee's best shot. They came here to throw shots as well. And Georgia on both sides of the ball, I thought, did that. To me, the game against Tennessee was a really validating performance. Not the best team that Georgia's played, but it was a tough spot to be in against a team that had, you know, some opportunity to do some things against Georgia. But for the most part, UGA just kind of shrugged it off. I was very impressed with what I saw against Tennessee. How did you feel about the game? Yeah, the game played out how I thought it was going to play out, and hopefully everyone can hear me. We're still working through some new technical issues in our new in our new studio, but we think we've got this figured out. Uh James Cook was an absolute star on Saturday, and I I think that game showed you're going to see a lot of him in the SEC championship game, probably against Alabama, because he is a difference maker, even on a field with a number of talented players. I was really impressed by what Xavier Trust was able to do when he came in at guard for Warren Erickson. Erickson leaves the game as he was sort of one of the many players battling the flu. I think Trust brings a certain level of physicality to that offensive front that I think this group could really benefit from. Channing Tindall was out of his mind on Saturday. Three sacks uh, pretty easily show that he's a guy who can replace some of the things that you lose with Adam Anderson out there. I thought the quarterback discussion is all but over now. Uh, This is pretty clearly Stetson Bennett's team going forward until proven otherwise with this play. And as far as the game in and of itself, I think my, my 
pregame prediction was 42 to 10. Uh, the game sort of played out how I thought it would. I thought Georgia would take a little bit to adjust to the tempo, and then they move Chris Star- or Chris Smith, excuse me, to the star position, a place he had really only repped at for about a week in practice beforehand. And that totally flipped the game. They had Tennessee had no answers from that point on, and, and really this defense continues to show why it is the best individual unit in college football. I talked about uh, James Cook a lot uh, yesterday, and I'm sure that conversation will continue. And I was very impressed with what I saw from him. There's also a part of me that wants to say, hey, you know, one of the things we sometimes see at Georgia is there's the big moment offensively from a player, but maybe he doesn't follow that up in the next game. Now. This is a little bit different than I don't care if James Cook does anything against Charleston Southern, nor do I really care if much of anybody does anything against Charleston Southern or Georgia Tech. But, you know, for instance, you know, you saw Jermaine Burton have a huge game against Missouri. And while he did have a nice catch against uh, Tennessee, wasn't quite as much of a factor in that game as he'd been the week before. I really hope that what we see from what we saw from Cook against Tennessee is the kind of thing that can be replicated. And, you know, there's always going to be this thing of who's the guy you want with the ball in his hand, with the game on the line I've even talked about that on our show here going back a lot of the last couple of weeks well I thought the James Cook on Saturday took a major step towards maybe being that guy I just hope this is the kind of thing that can be replicated in an SEC championship game the way it was put on display against Tennessee yeah I, I would say James Cook showed a lot of what DeAndre Swift did in that 2018 SEC championship game where George was able to get him the ball in a variety of ways and really, in going back and watching Cook in that game, it was the way he was attacking uh, in the rushing game. How it, there were there was no delay. He was hitting the hole hard and then just breaking through there. And Tennessee clearly did not have the athletes that were able to keep up with him. I think the game plan that he was used against Tennessee is replicable for James Cook. Obviously, I don't think Alabama is going to match him up with a linebacker there when they split him out wide like Tennessee did, as Alabama learned that the hard way last year. But I think what we saw from James Cook was sort of a replicable performance in the sense that it wasn't like he was you know, playing out of his mind and doing things that we had never seen him do before. You know, we've seen him split out wide and catch long touchdown passes. We've seen him break long runs before for touchdowns. And so because of the manner in which James Cook played, I thought there was a confidence there that maybe we hadn't seen for the first time. But he's done all those things in games before. It was just probably the first time we had seen him put truly everything together. And I think to your point, we don't need to see him against Georgia Tech or Charleston Southern, but I do think we're going to see him quite often used against Alabama in the SEC championship game. I thought the Tennessee game was an example of what I started the show by talking about today, which is that Georgia is achieving on both sides of the ball a level of success that's actually a lot more rare in college football than people probably think that it is. And, you know, I think people have this imagination of, well, I'd love to have a defense as good as the one that Georgia has, but also scoring 55 points a game there as well. The fact of the matter is, there is just really is no comp for that. There's no, there's no college ball team that exists right now that does that. The teams that are better than Georgia offensively, such as Oklahoma and Ohio State, they are nowhere near as good as Georgia defensively. Even an Alabama team that I think stands as Georgia's stiffest challenge isn't as complimentary dominant boat in both offense and defense as Georgia is and in fact if you go with the you know the the Brian Fremo dude who's written for football outsiders has his own blog things like that only a small handful of teams since 2007 have found a way to be in the top 10 in both points allowed and points scored per drive and right now Georgia stands to be the best of all of them with a net of 3.2 points per drive comparing the offense there and the defense that's a level of success that I think Connor ought to be easy for UGA fans to rally around and I'm hopeful that it will be yeah again this this defense is just 
other and granted, you know, Tennessee did some things though. I, I would point out again, you know, that last touchdown came late in the game and sure that Georgia still had its starters out there, but it was forty one to ten. Georgia or Tennessee did not score in the second quarter, it did not score in the third quarter when there was a chance for them to at least extend that game a little bit there. And offensively, I know Stetson is not exactly a popular player, but you have to like what he continues to bring to this offense, specifically that mobility. And I'm not saying he's going to run away from Will Anderson, but I do think you probably feel a little bit better about his scrambling ability and able to an ability to move better than JT Daniels, who even his hardest supporters – uh, would say he's going to be a sitting duck back there. And so if, if you have questions about this offensive line, which while, yes, they haven't given up very many sacks this year, I think a lot of that is because of the scheme and the way it is designed. I, I, I do think Stetson has continued to show he's going to make two or three throws a game. You know, the touchdown pass to James Cook, some of those third down passes to Donna Mitchell that are, are winning football plays. And sure, he's going to take have two or three plays in that same game that hurt you a little bit in this game it was the the missed throw to Brock Bowers that should have been for a touchdown pass and ended up being an incomplete pass but I point out on Saturday even on the road in a hostile and violent in, in Neyland Stadium sort of like we saw against Auburn Stetson didn't really, really have any turnover worthy plays and against Alabama in the SEC championship game I think that's going to be really big there he weirdly enough on the road has mitigated his his ability to make those sort of turnover worthy plays and sure he's not hitting on all of those I do think that Stetson has continued to show that he, he, when asked to do so, is able to mitigate the turnovers that we've seen him make. And listen, people obviously know that I'm I'm certainly partisan. I, I want Georgia to win. And I think some people think, well, therefore, because of that, I'm just going to say whatever needs to be said for the positive for UGA. But honestly, I think history would show that's not really true. I mean, if you want to go back to 2019, I talked plenty about that offense there at that time not being good enough to win a national championship. That's a team that was struggling to score, you know, 21 points in SEC play. Very good defensively, but the complimentary football, they were barely a top 20 offense there at the time. Being great defense when you're lagging there offensively, you're just creating too many opportunities for a game to to get out of hand on you, for a for a team to find a way to score on you. You can't really match that. That if Georgia was scuffling offensively the way that it was in 2019, for instance, uh, I, I think that the the quality of this defense would be mitigated somewhat, and Georgia's chance of winning a national championship I think would be less than they currently are. But when you're averaging less than 10 and you're scoring nearly 40, like I don't mean to be simplistic here that's a pretty good recipe for success yeah you know uh, you, you mentioned Moneyball earlier I recently watched it again it's a tremendous film and sure Georgia doesn't have a Jason Giambi type offense but what does it do it gets on base it scores points and now against Alabama it's going to need to score touchdowns it cannot settle for field goals like the that's way right. that it has this season I think Kirby Smart knows that I think We've seen in bits and pieces him be more aggressive in terms of going for it on fourth and short or fourth and manageable situations there when asked to do so. So, again, this offense, it's not the most stylistically pretty, but it is darn effective. They are averaging just under uh, thirty or just under 40 points a game this season. If you had told anyone that, and without saying the quarterback, if you said Georgia's averaging 39 points per game 10 games into the season, you'd be like, that's the perfect kind of offense we want to have. And so because of that, I believe they've now scored 30 points in every SEC game they had played this season. So while the offense, it might not stylistically look how so many people want it to, it's continued to get the job done. And I think the big difference between the 2019 team you mentioned there, there are dudes who are capable of making those plays. You know, James Cook we saw on Saturday, Jermaine Burton the weekend before, Dominic Blaylock, maybe a George Pickens, though. I'm going to be really interested to see what kind of update we get on Pickens this week because – 
if we don't sort of see him ramp up and sort of get the clearance he needs to play, I become very, very dubious that we're going to see him in the SEC championship game. But Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, they have dudes in the receiving core in a way that they didn't in 2019 that I think make it more plausible to see this Georgia team scoring 30 points against Alabama in the SEC championships game, something I think and I know you think they're going to have to do to win. And let me make kind of a small point here that it's beyond just what Georgia's averaging from a points per game standpoint. You know, for instance, if you score 60 in one game, score 10 the next game, well, you're averaging 35 points per game. But I'm not quite so sure what I would expect you to do in game three if your performances were so, you know, on on wildly uh, different ends of the spectrum. It's the fact that Georgia has consistently scored as much as that. It's averaging about 38 or so, but it's also scoring about 38 in every game. They haven't failed to score less than 30 since the week one game there against Clemson. And it's that week-to-week consistency that matters far more to me than what the actual average is because I said before you know averages can be kind of a funny thing in sports but there isn't a moment this season where that Georgia offense hasn't shown up now you can find a five-minute window in this game a five-minute window in that game or whoa but the fact of the matter is there's (laughs) the fact of the matter is there is a consistent level of performance that's shown up every single Saturday since week one yeah and go back and look at that last drive before the first half ended against Tennessee Uh, Stetson had two big third down conversions in that drive they faced a second and 20 and turned that into a first down he efficiently moved them on that drive before hitting on the big play to James Cook to make it 24 to 10 and really just sort of sucked the life out of Tennessee there and I mean that game for all intents and purposes was over when Georgia took that lead that 24 to 10 lead there that's the sort of thing where you saw when JT did it against South Carolina it was like oh whoa this is finally the Georgia offense we all thought we were going to get if Stetson's able to do that, and you hear analytics people talk about you know, sandwiching the half, winning the final four minutes and the first four minutes, if Georgia's able to do that where they're able to get a stop and then get a score and then come out in the second half and then get a score again, now they weren't able to do that against Tennessee – but if you're able to do that, that makes winning football games a lot easier. As a New England Patriots fan, that is something they have long stressed and long executed at a really high level. And I, I'll be interested to see if Georgia is able to win those sort of middle eight minutes in the SEC championship game. All right, let's change our uh, topic here and talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide here for a moment since you mentioned the SEC championship game. I thought one of the real telling moments from the Kirby Smart press conference yesterday was the question related to, as Jamari Sawyer works his way back to health, is there a chance that he plays guard instead of tackle? Do they trust Broderick Jones enough to leave him there? And Smart was non-committal about the entire thing, essentially saying in no uncertain terms that he just was not going to he was not going to give his opinion on that as of right now to me this is the biggest issue I, I i think the single biggest question external to georgia about whether it wins a national championships championship is can it block the outstanding pass rush for alabama will anderson which means you've got to have your five best offensive linemen there were a lot of people that were very happy with xavier Truss's insertion into the game uh, against tennessee on saturday some have even compared that to when ben cleveland came in late in the season for georgia in 27 I did have somebody privately reach out to me yesterday who knows this kind of thing and he kind of pointed out some reasons that would make him suggest he wasn't maybe quite as happy with trust as maybe some other people were there as well kind of casting some doubt on that whether that's true or not the, the 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 question here is is does Georgia have the capability of keeping Anderson off its quarterback, whether it's Bennett, who we presume it will be, or maybe it's JT Daniels for whatever reason, but blocking Will Anderson may be the number one external question facing whether or not this team wins a championship or not. 
Absolutely, and you look at what Georgia wants to do offensively, especially with Stetson Bennett in there, you know, long play action passes, attacking that 15 to 20-yard middle part of the field. Well, to do that, you've got to get the ball out efficiently while also being able to protect three to four seconds. You don't got to hold them up forever, but you can't – you're not – Stetson Bennett has not been the guy who lets get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. Um, and so because of that, you know, Warren McClendon is going to be asked to have a huge game there. Jamari Sawyer, who I think when he gets healthy is going to move back to left tackle. I, I don't think it's going to be Broderick Jones. I'd actually, I think there's a better chance you see Xavier Trust starting or at least playing significant snaps in the SEC championship game rather than uh, Broderick Jones at this point. I just think they feel better with Jamari Sawyer out there at left tackle than they do with him at guard. And I, I think he is pretty clearly one of Georgia's best five offensive linemen. And so because of that, and, and look, I like Kirby Smart, I'm very dubious of pro football focus, but I have seen some of the statistical numbers on Jamari. I believe he has not given up a sack allowed all year. If Warren McClendon and Jamari Sire play up to their potential and are able to limit, because you're not going to, you're not going to totally prevent Will Anderson, a player as dominant as he is from, from making plays, but if you're able to limit the impact that he has on that game, I think you're going to go a long, it's going, as you point out, going to go a long way to Georgia winning that game that day. And I'm just going to tell you right now that, I think Georgia is in as good a position to win the SEC championship as it possibly could be. And if you win the SEC championship, I would say that you're the odds-on favorite to win the national championship as well. I think that Georgia is in as good a position as it can be. But I don't have any assurances this is going to be an easy win for UGA. I, I expect a hard fight from Alabama. This is an Alabama team that's been imperfect to me this year. There have been moments when it's kind of downright looked very non-Alabama-like. That does not give me a lot of comfort. I don't mean this from the woe is me, Georgia, other shoes going to drop. That's not what I'm talking about. I still think Alabama, even with the level of play that it's shown this year, which is probably less than what it's been maybe the last couple of three years I still think this is an incredibly formidable challenge for UGA every stat points to that uh, your own eye test I would say kind of points to that this is one of those things where there is nothing I can do to deflate the tension that exists around this game it is just going to be a pier six brawl to determine you know who kind of gets a guaranteed spot in the college football playoff yeah it's you know if you're Georgia obviously you have a lot of demons with this game with this opponent and it's Alabama's it's Michael Myers it's John Wick until they are dead until they are yeah. officially confirmed until I have their, their severed head in my hand um you still always are going to think there's a chance that they're able to pull this off and, and pull it out just given we've seen them do it so many different times and Alabama is still a champion and while yes Texas A&M was able to beat them and they have looked at times vulnerable this year uh, you got to be the one that knocks them out and with the way the SEC West is sort of set up aka Bo Nix having uh, season ending ankle surgery that in my opinion is all but going to I think put George put Alabama in they only have to win one of their final two SEC games and look that Alabama team knows hey as long as they beat Arkansas and Auburn we still control our destiny in terms of winning a national title. And, and Nick Saban, for all the issues that we have seen at Alabama this year, Nick Saban is still the best college football coach of all time, and he's absolutely going to have his guys ready to play that day. We did not, uh, we did not talk about Julian Humphrey yesterday. I want to do that with you more in just a moment. Georgia did get a big commit there on Friday. I also remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley. Of course, Kroger doing so many great things for you as we get ready for the upcoming Thanksgiving season. They're getting you uh, you know, uh, covered on all of that. So everything you need to save big and really make those dollars stretch here this year. We all know that uh, getting the most out of 
of our Thanksgiving spending is a big deal to us here this year. Kroger does a great job with all of that. So stop by your local Kroger store, get stocked up on everything you need. I'm very happy to say that we're already doing that around our house, uh, getting all those uh, great sides and the turkey and everything else that goes along with making a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're probably not surprised to know around our household, we just love a Thanksgiving and we are ready to enjoy a great one here this year. So I uh, hope you are there too and trust Kroger and all that. They're also open to 4 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day there as well. So that last minute thing that you need, big thanks to the folks at Kroger for sticking around and making sure we're able to get that uh, there on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, trust Kroger for all of that. Connor, I mentioned before, Julian Humphrey, it's uh, obviously a flip from Florida, at least technically speaking. At one point in time, Humphrey was a Florida commit, had decommitted, and pretty quickly was on the path towards uh, committing somewhere. And obviously, Georgia was the leader and ultimately secured that commitment. How big of a deal is this for UGA? Obviously, Humphrey's one of those guys that has a great time on social media, talking about all the guys he's going to bring with him. But as a player, how big of a deal do you think this is for Georgia? Yeah, it's it's Georgia going into the state of Texas, getting a top 100 overall prospect. And I I would note as well, landing a, a and Georgia still got more guys to land in that secondary, but uh, Marquise goes Killebrew, uh, a fellow 2021 cornerback commit. It sounds like he suffered a very serious, I believe, ACL injury, and so recovering from that is going to be something worth watching going forward. So landing a guy like Humphrey who could potentially come in, I'm not saying he's going to play right away, but what we've seen from these Georgia cornerbacks, and you even look at a guy like Jalen Kimber before he got hurt this year out of the, out of the state of Texas, I think could potentially help them come in and play well there. You have Bear Alexander, who obviously has Texas ties there as well. So I think it's a continuation of, of Georgia doing really well in the state of Texas and then building what I think could be a really special secondary when you consider Malachi Starks. I know he's listed as a linebacker. He's going to play safety for Georgia when he gets there. You potentially land five-star safety, Kamari Wilson. You potentially land five-star cornerback Jaheim Singletary you got four top 100 defensive back recruits and Groves Kilby right now is just outside that top top 100 as well that's a really really strong secondary class especially for one that Georgia could potentially have to replace four starters from this secondary now those guys all aren't going to play right away next year but it's really important that they continue to replenish that secondary there and I think landing a guy like Humphrey even at the expense of Florida to make it doubly painful for the Gators there, I think is another win for Georgia on the recruiting. Yeah, they just absolute evisceration by Georgia, by Kirby Smart of Florida. And obviously around here, we never get tired of seeing that. Connor, great stuff. Thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. We'll look forward to reading a lot from you at dognation.com in the days ahead. Obviously, we're getting ready for the SEC Championship coming up in just a couple of weeks' time. So uh, we'll enjoy the chance to chat with you a lot more about that as it draws closer. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, we'll roll on there. Uh, terrific stuff from Connor Riley. Also time now to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And, boy, when you think about Royal Caribbean, the thing I want you to think about right now is that amazing odyssey of the seas. You know, Royal Caribbean, just for years and years and years, has been setting a new standard every time it launches one of these you know, new ships out of the fleet. And Odyssey of the Seas is going to be another example of that. We'll, we'll show you the video here of just all of the entertainment options on board here, the tremendous dining options there as well. I'm talking about like private specialty restaurants like Chops Grill or just all the shows and the entertainment. I mean, this is literally like 
it's like unlike anything that you could ever imagine. And when you see that on video, you know how special that all is. Royal Caribbean just setting a new standard. And obviously, a lot of folks have been waiting to get back on the seas. They've been dreaming about being back on a ship again. Well, now it's time to do that. It's time, it's time to do that on a ship, a ship unlike any other you've ever experienced before. I'm talking about Odyssey of the Seas. What an incredible opportunity. What a thing that is. And when you turn... You know, to Royal Caribbean, when you think about Odyssey of the Seas, when you think about the cool things they have going on, one of the things we also want to tell you to do there as well is to trust somebody who knows all the inner workings of Royal Caribbean, a true Royal Caribbean expert, to make sure you get the best Royal Caribbean cruise experience. One of the reasons why we talk to you a lot about the Cruise and Vacation Authority, because not only is the Cruise and Vacation Authority run by two former Georgia graduates, but also... They just know all the Royal Caribbean stuff there as well. In fact, let me put this on the screen so you can see this. Their website, their phone number, it's tcava.com. It's tcava.com. Uh, or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. You should do your own search for this. Look at the Odyssey of the Seas. Look at all the great stuff that it's got going on. But then reach out to the Cruise and Vacation Authority and let them tell you more about Odyssey. Let them tell you more about why it's going to be such an amazing uh, vacation for you. A lot of those itineraries, they also go to Perfect Day Coco Cay, which is a very hot thing right now. That private island in the Bahamas that's got the water slide, tallest in the North America, the largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas, the real side the chill side a lot of those uh itineraries from odyssey the seas go to perfect day coco Cay. so enjoy all of that and use the cruise and vacation authority to help get that one booked the information as we said before tcava.com or 770-952-8300 all right now uh sec through time and uh cruise around the sec Another very strong denial yesterday coming from Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher about the persistent rumors that LSU is not going to give up its pursuit of him as its next head coach. You know the backstory here. Scott Woodward is the LSU AD, former A&M AD, who hired Jimbo Fisher there. They've had a strong relationship. But even predating Scott Woodward, Jimbo Fisher has always had a lot of interest in Baton Rouge. He coached there, won a national championship there as an offensive coordinator in 2003, came very close to being LSU coach a couple of times, but as he said when he first took the Texas A&M job, it just never quite worked out for him to be able to do that. Well, a lot of folks wonder, well, is this the charm? Is this the time in which this actually happens? What Jimbo said yesterday, I think, should get your attention. It's worth considering. He talked about the recruiting class that A&M is about to sign. You'll remember on last week's show, on one of our days on the SEC through, we talked about this there as well, that not only has A&M gotten the commitment from five-star defensive lineman Walter Nolan, but they are seemingly trending right now with guys like Shamar Stewart, Nevin Stewart, and other big names that you want to mention in this class of 2022. A&M seems to be the trending team for a lot of those big-name guys right now. And what Jimbo said is this, hey, given the class that I'm about to sign, I'd have to be pretty stupid to to sign all these guys at A&M and then go coach against them there at LSU, which is not the same thing as saying I'm definitely never, no matter what, not taking the LSU job. But if that doesn't serve to kind of quiet some of that kind of stuff down, then literally nothing will. I'll also say this about the, the momentum for A&M in recruiting right now. I know that Saturday was not a good day for A&M on the field, lost to Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin is on his way to a very impressive season. They're in the top 10 in the AP poll. They may be in the top 10 in the playoff selection committee poll there tonight. And clearly, this was a big game for A&M. They were not able to win on the road. Ole Miss kind of got that. But when you look at the entirety of the programs, the way they're unfolding right now in the SEC West, 
there's no doubt that I would still trust a guy like Jimbo Fisher to build my program over the flashier guys like Mike Leach, who also has a head-to-head winning at Jimbo this year, and certainly Lane Kiffin, whose attention span seems to only be about five minutes long. That Jimbo is showing you that building a program is very, very hard. You got to find the right physicality. You got to find the right talent. Maybe the last thing you do is find that offensive firepower that gives you a chance to win games against a guy like Kiffin, who's got a quarterback like Matt Corral. But just because it's slowly building doesn't mean that it isn't building. And I think the recruiting momentum that is seemingly unfolding for Jimbo is worth your attention. Both is maybe a way of quieting down those rumors that he might take the LSU job, but also as a reminder of what the landscape in the SEC West is going to look like in future years. Connor Riley mentioned this a moment ago. This is also a story worth paying attention to, too. The Bo Nix, uh, who's really had a pretty good season for Auburn, especially after being kind of the butt of jokes after the beginning of the year, is now going to have uh, season-ending surgery, has had season-ending surgery. And so that means he won't be able to play against Alabama. Of course, Auburn has won its last two games in Jordan-Hare Stadium against Alabama. That would seem a lot more difficult to accomplish now. And with that the sec west kind of officially comes to an end and also it kind of calls into question what the final stages of the first year of brian harson are going to look like there at auburn too said this before that at one point in time it seemed like auburn was kind of distancing itself from the middle to lower tier pack in the sec west and now it seems like they're kind of firmly within that pack that last week was kind of a regression towards the middle for a lot of teams in the sec in the sec west also the the sec east kind of other than georgia there too you just kind of kind of this gravitational pull back towards the middle right now auburn is a part of that harson's doing very little to distinguish himself during his first year and that job gets even more difficult now with uh bo Nix not available to him uh dan mullen got some heat yesterday as you might imagine for the you know the, the celebration for the win against uh you know samford and the way that uh they kind of over celebrated that we said that was embarrassing yesterday we believe that it is he says you're always expected to perform in this league this week is no different than last week or the week before five years ago or 10 years ago when kind of being grilled on you know how florida is performing relative to expectations he says we played a very different schedule this year with a very different team and under very different circumstances it's not like oh this happened this year hasn't gone the way we wanted to go unfortunately and you can point to a lot of different things why that has happened and different reasons for where we're at but that's this year's team i can't compare one year to the next because uh, each team is so independent that's a lot of words obviously say i don't really have an explanation for why this team this group of players has not responded to me but that's clearly what's going on here and that's the thing that's got to be concerning that you know maybe you hire better assistants maybe they recruit a little bit better but some of florida's biggest underachievers were at times fairly big recruits or big transfers or whatever else that you almost worry about a high tune out factor that the florida players just simply don't respect dan mullen there are eerily similar echoes to what's also happening in you know austin right now with steve sarkeesian at texas where i think you're left to wonder do the texas players just care one rip about sarkeesian and what his vision is for that program is he reaching them are they responding to him we're left to wonder if, if they are if they aren't and it seems like a very similar thing is going on with dan mullen there at florida that at a certain point in time you're just not stepping up as a leader of men and right now that seems to be the biggest issue that's kind of plaguing uh florida coach dan mullen finally i'll say this college football playoff top 25 re-released tonight i guess one of the talkers that i think is going to come out of this is i think there's a very good chance that both michigan and michigan state leapfrog cincinnati i think cincinnati on the heels of another 
too close, closer than it should be, win against a bad team. This was a South Florida on a Friday night. That may be enough to boom both Michigan and Michigan State ahead of Cincinnati here. We may see that tonight. I also wonder, and maybe the committee will address this, maybe it won't, Alabama, no reason to think they won't still be number two, but as a team that could still make the playoff after losing to Georgia in the SEC championship game, were that to happen, you almost wonder if the fact that the SEC West, like, you know, Texas A&M is now lost again, you know, that some of these teams in the SEC West are starting to to regress here a little bit. I guess on the one hand, the Mississippi State Ole Miss wins looks a little bit better. Uh, Arkansas now is going to be ranked higher than it was last week. So maybe that gives a little bit of a boost to Alabama. But how the rest of this SEC West unfolds apart from what happens with Alabama, I think that's going to go a long way towards determining what kind of resume does Alabama actually have as a potential two-loss team that's ranked number two right now and would like to still make the playoff even if it loses the SEC championship game the rest of the year for these SEC West teams I think it's going to go a long way towards doing that for instance you know the team that beat Alabama was 11th last week but they're going to be far lower than that this week after losing to Ole Miss and does Alabama get hurt because of that or do they get helped because the team that beat A&M was a team they beat up pretty good Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago to me Alabama is still very much a part of the college football playoff discussion, even if it does have two losses. Uh, But obviously, that's kind of what some of the chatter is going to be like here over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks. We'll make that cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean let me also say this here really quickly a couple of things i want to make you aware of. first of all our friends at bet us obviously later on this week we'll make our picks against the spread on our go with the flow show and it's the time of week when you start looking ahead to those upcoming lines it's a little lighter week around college football in fact not even easy to find a uh, georgia charleston southern line right now a lot of times fbs fcs foes it's kind of that way but there is still plenty of money to be made out there and bet us the place you go to make it take advantage of your expertise your knowledge your ability to pick games take advantage of that with beth with with bet us and become a winner before you even place your first bet when you use the promo code dn125 when you do that dn125 the dn stands for dog nation the 125 stands for the 125 percent sign up bonus you're going to get when you get that initial deposit in with bet us what that means in simple language is they are going to put more money in your account to begin with than you are that's what bet us does for you they've lasted for more than 25 years they've been america's most beloved sports book during that time and you don't get to be that way unless you're taking really good care of your players and bet you will take really good care of you so use the promo code dn125 at the website betus.com and they'll get you set up and you can have some fun here this weekend picking some games whether it be college pro or anything else all the other sports there as well betus.com for a lot more on that then finally there is this so i told you about this yesterday i want to remind you one more time about what's going to happen for the sec championship at the home depot backyard right next to mercedes-benz stadium it's our big chase for the championship tailgate there that day we're gonna be right next to the stadium it's gonna be as fun as anything we've done it's gonna be just an amazing opportunity where you get open bar with all the food you can eat there as well uh unbelievable entertainment a dog nation chase for the championship t-shirt it's from 12 to 3 there on that saturday of the sec championship uh that's december 4th of course if you go to dognation.com right now right there at the top there's a place to click into that get your ticket for that be there for that these tickets are flying right now i cannot wait to have all those folks with us for a huge day before the sec championship of course big thanks to our friends at kroger for making all this possible our chase for the championship dognation.com for more on that it's going to be an incredible experience open bar all the food you can eat fun t-shirt 
Uh, just great stuff. A big celebration. We believe the chase of the championship for Georgia starts in Atlanta. We think it ends in Indianapolis, and you can go along that road with us by being there for the chase of the championship t- uh, a tailgate presented by Kroger. So I hope to be able to see you there. Go to dognation.com, get your tickets while you can, and we'll be ready to party on SEC Championship Saturday right next to the stadium at the Home Depot backyard. All right, so uh, good golden shoe today, our buddy Mad Dog. Always uh, great in delivering these. Georgia has now won the SEC East and gone 8-0 in the league. Also swept the East again. Uh, Mad Dog gets the golden shoe today because he brought back the old school own the East hashtag. Do you remember we used to do own the East all the time? That was always really fun. He also gives you the sweep the East there. You see all the SEC East foes that Georgia beat up on. And reminiscent of what happened back in like 2017, 2018, Georgia winning all these division games. Back then, it was like by all by at least 14 points. This year, they won every division game by 17 points or more, I believe. That's a remarkable uh, remarkable margin of victory. So, yeah, sweep the East, hashtag own the East for bringing back some old school dog nation nomenclature. We'll give Mad Dog a, a golden shoe for that. By the way, speaking of one of those East foes, those lousy, stinking Gators, how about 347 days from now, we all meet back in Jacksonville and beat up on Florida again, regardless of whoever the coach is. That sounds like fun. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, I'm now at the R.S. Andrews Podcast, Cool Down, uh, where we'll take your comments, both at dognation.com and on Twitter. I've got a couple I'm going to read here today. Mark Morris writes in to say that the Dog Nation unification mantra, which we've talked about the last couple of days, he said that's spot on, B.A. Let's enjoy riding this tidal wave of success. By the way, credits to uh, Mark for spelling title correctly in this particular sense because I'm not quite so sure I would have. He says, no matter what uh, board we may be on, I'm having a blast watching us watch over and drown everyone. So far, it's the most enjoyable season even ever for me. Go dogs, hashtag JD to NYC. And I said this with our video audience a little earlier, that I think the less online you are, and I realize there's a little bit of a double-edged sword to this because obviously I communicate with you online. So I don't want you to go offline completely because otherwise we can't connect. But generally speaking, the less online you are, the more likely you are to attract Georgia fans who are just having a great time and enjoying this season, that there is a distortion of how UGA fans feel because the social media messages that they get amplified the loudest are sometimes those that try to stoke your fear or stoke your negativity, stoke your anger. It's just easier to to build attention for yourself that way. And so I think that you're left with an impression, well, that must be the way that all Georgia fans feel. Uh, because there are these very loud messages on social media that, that, and I include message boards into this discussion. I don't think that's so much a representation of what Georgia fans feel as it is a representation for the kind of message that really travels easily on these online platforms. And I'm not 100 years old. I'm not against online platforms, message boards, social media, anything else. But as someone who talks to a lot of Georgia fans, and I try to make sure that the number of Georgia fans I talk to in person, bumping into them at the stadium or or getting together with with uh, events, whatever else. I try to make sure I talk to as many as, if not more people in person than I do online. Because what you end up finding out is, okay, there are just there are just differences. There are differences in the way that people talk when they're face to face compared to the way they talk when they're online. And some of the like the grave concerns that you sometimes hear expressed in kind of online situations just don't exist in real life. And I hope that you're also able to connect with a lot of Georgia fans in real life. I think you'll notice the same kind of thing. So the Dog Nation unification is a thing we're doing, and it's something we're doing for fun. 
But generally speaking, I don't think there is actually a huge lack of unity in dog nation. There's just a lot of noisy stuff on social media. And there's always going to be people who try to use that, you know, what clout chasing is, where you try to build your own, uh, you know, brand, you try to generate attention. There will always be people, sometimes it's just regular guy with an account, sometimes it's a media person, but there'll always be people trying to chase clout by stoking fear or anger on any subject, Georgia football included. And so as Georgia becomes a hotter topic and you head towards college football playoff, there are going to be no shortage of people who try to do that around UGA there as well. Terry Rigdon writes in to say, is it me or are there the two Gators that host uh, Thinking Out Loud very biased against Georgia? I mean, the only thing they showed in the Tennessee game was the Cade Mays uh, knocking, I think it was Dan Jackson, to the ground. First of all, I can't stand Thinking Out Loud on the SEC Network. I'm glad that Terry uh, wrote this in. I won't get into all the reasons why, but this used to be a show, show I used to enjoy. Um, it used to be Greg McElroy and Mark Spears, and it very much reminded me of what Mike Johnson and I used to do on SEC Country Live in kind of a casual environment, just sort of sitting around talking football. And it was kind of fun that way, and now it's become something far different. So uh, are they biased against Georgia? I don't know. I guess the one guy is a Florida fan. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the other guy is. But uh, maybe they're biased against Georgia. I just I just don't like the show anymore. I used to really like it. It's, it's one of the things the SEC Network does that I probably just like the least. And when it was McElroy and Spears years ago, like I said before, it's kind of a fun, you know, replica of what we were doing on SEC Country Live. We've been doing SEC Country Live for a long time before they even started thinking out loud. But, um, but yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I'm, I'm not a fan. Uh, well, we'll do one more comment here. Uh, Thomas Tyson says the only categories when it comes to stats that mean anything, he said a different word, but I'll say anything, are points per play and yards per play. Georgia's first in both. Total yards and total points are less predictive because teams that play close games aren't shutting down the offense in the second half. And I think that's mostly true. We talked about that before, that you know not everything that the math nerds are telling us is wrong and not everything that the math nerds are telling us is difficult to understand, that judging things on a per-play or per-drive basis just a better overall measuring stick to the kind of cumulative, you know, total yards type stats that sometimes that doesn't quite tell the whole picture. And I think that uh, Justin, for the most part, is absolutely right about that. We're going to go for now. Thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews podcast. Cool. And of course, you can find them online, rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Show up on time. They do the work that's promised. The price is promised. You can get that heating system tuned up to factory fresh specs to keep you warm all holiday season long and throughout the winter there as well rsandrews.com for more details on that we will see you tomorrow back here on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then everybody